Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Northern Kentucky Spotlight Podcast, presented by CBG. I'm your host, Sarah Brookman. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Brian Miller, Executive Vice President of the Building Industry Association of Northern Kentucky. He and I talk about Home Fest 2023, which runs through May, and how you can see this exciting new development in Bellevue. On NKY at Work, Nancy Spivey talks with Miles McDowell and Chris Cooper of the University of Cincinnati about UC's co-op programs and how they can help attract talent to your business. Thank you to our podcast sponsors, CVG, our title sponsor, C-Crew Consulting, our digital sponsor, and our episode sponsor, Haran. Also on the podcast, we talk with Katie Meyer, who highlights the upcoming 2023 Outstanding Women of Northern Kentucky event happening on May 18th. Katie and I talk about how you can get tickets and how to get involved with the Women's Initiative Program. Now, let's go meet our members of the week, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back with your guests. CBG Airport is the lowest fare airport in the tri-state region with 54 nonstop flights and direct international service to seven destinations, including Paris, France, and now home to both DHLs and Amazon's global cargo hubs. The airport is furthering its position as leader in aviation and is deeply committed to being an economic driver for the community. You can learn more and start your next adventure at CBGAirport.com. Ranking on Google Search and Maps is easy to understand, but hard to do. It requires constant effort and attention, uploading new photos, responding to Google reviews, writing weekly posts, and checking suggested updates. Google listing optimization takes experience and time, and there are no shortcuts. C-Crew gives your Google My Business account the steady, consistent attention it needs to be effective, optimizing, updating, and expanding critical content every single week. From local retail stores to large regional networks, C-Crew generates content, establishes benchmarks, and creates dramatic measurable increases in engagement. So what can C-Crew do for your business? More calls, more clicks, more clients. Congratulations to our members of the week. You can learn more about these businesses by following the Northern Kentucky Chamber on social media where we will highlight one of these businesses each day. Now, let's meet our members of the week. Velocity Esports is a next-generation gaming and entertainment company that offers a vast selection of arcade games, premier esports lounges, bowlings, and more, along with a full restaurant. Jessica Thames is a business development consultant and active realtor in the Ohio Valley region. The Track Group is a full-service recruiting firm specializing in accounting and finance, shared services, engineering, IT, and healthcare. Stephen Gould is a custom package solution provider that designs and manufactures all of your packaging needs, including boxes, bottles, closures, and more. Fast Signs provides comprehensive signage and visual graphic solutions for any size company and any industry to help you attract more attention, communicate your message, and promote your products. Hi, everyone. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Katie Meyer, who is our Outstanding Women of Northern Kentucky Committee Chair, as well as the Unicity Policy and Program Manager at AltaFiber. Big title, but we're really going to be talking about Outstanding Women of Northern Kentucky. So uh, that event is coming up. Tell us a little bit about it. All right. So this is the 39th annual Outstanding Women of Northern Kentucky. It will take place on Thursday, May 18th at Turfway. Um, and it is, you know, at its heart, just a, really a celebration of women who are doing extraordinary things in our community. And, um, you know, the whole program was developed at a time when women were 
under-recognized for their contributions to our region. And I think that over the past 39 years, it's created this legacy of representation of the women doing great work in our community. Yeah, it is really such a fun event just to get together. Uh, it's, you know, a, a lunchy kind of morning event, and it really just sets up your whole day to be really nice and wonderful and talk about the contributions of some of the great women that we have in the region. Yeah, absolutely. There's a committee of 16 women who really try to drive the mission and vision, and the values that we outlined for this program is to empower inspire and impact women in our region. And I think if if you are able to attend the event, hopefully those that's how you leave. You feel inspired and empowered and, and impacted by um, the recognition of these great women. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about this year's, um, our honorees this year. Yeah, so um, we have an incredible list of honorees this year. And, you know, in that process, th there were so many great nominees. I mean, I, it just can't be understated. Um, the number of women who are nominated and how great the work they're doing is. Um, but specifically, we look at leadership, integrity, and perseverance. And I think, you know, across um, all honorees this year, you know, leadership, thinking about the culture that uh, they create and the impact they make on the community, um, perseverance, just there, there's a wide range of ages this year. But there's this like getting up every day and, and doing the right thing, it was, like grit is what mm -hmm. I would call it. And then integrity, I think it's really about doing the hard thing uh, that may not be the most popular thing, but it's the right thing. And so whether it's somebody who's been a, an executive director for 25 years or somebody who just opened a business, I, I really think these uh, honorees exemplify those three values. Yeah, that is really incredible. And like you mentioned, it is really a wide range this year. Um, we've got Fardoza Hassan, who was on the podcast a couple of months ago, with Leela Erlstein Care, and then we have leaders from St. Elizabeth, and we have leaders from Duke. Obviously, we have our scholarship recipients as well. So just a wide range of women doing great things in the community. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, so we said this event is Thursday, May 18th, um, and people can register at nkychamber.com slash events or at nkychamber.com slash OWNKY. Um, when people are signing up to attend this event, or maybe they're kind of on the edge. I know we kind of talked about how this is a really inspiring event. What else would you say to somebody that you want to encourage them to register? Um, you know, the event itself, um, the program is 1145 to 1. The doors open at 11. And even, you know, the program has, there's storytelling, there's getting to know new people, getting to expand your understanding of what's going on in the region. But you also have the opportunity to be in a room with 400 people who share that inspiration to, to be there that day for that purpose of celebrating those women. So um, all of it is a lot of fun and, um, you know, it's, it's good, even going to be good food this year. So yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> it's a turfway this year, which is yeah. going to be new. I have walked briefly into the event venue space at turfway. So I'm very excited to check that out personally. <laughs> I think it'll be a lot of fun. And then one of the other things I want to touch on while you're here, um, our women's initiative group is great. There are a lot of ways to get involved. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Oh yeah, there there's so many inroads to involvement with the women's initiative. I think the the easiest is probably the monthly connect hour. Um, from there, there's an engagement committee that can help plug you in, and there's a variety of different committees that are all made up of um, you know 
all women in the region who are trying to advance whatever the mission may be, whether it's education at the summit or or the the breakfast or outstanding women. There's just uh, lots of opportunity to, to get involved. Yeah, well, that is awesome. And before I let you go, is there anything else you want to touch on about Outstanding Women of Northern Kentucky? Um, no, you know, just the fact that you, over 200 women have been recognized. Um, I think the, the duration of the program, it's, it's just sort of in the fabric of our region that we have done this for so many years. And I, I think it's something we should be really proud of. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I'm looking forward to the event. I know I will get to see you there, and hopefully we will get to see some of our viewers and listeners there as well. Awesome. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Brian Miller, who is the Executive Vice President of the Building Industry Association of Northern Kentucky. Hey, yes, welcome, welcome. And we are going to talk today a little bit about what you guys do and your exciting Home Fest event, which has just kicked off this month. Right. So uh, tell us first off about the Building Institute Association. Uh, well, the Building Industry Association, we used to be called the Home Builders Association. Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of still remembers that back about seven years ago. We were founded in 1955. And um, we're part of a federation of over 600 builders associations across the United States. So we are chartered by the National Association of Home Builders, which is headquartered in Washington, D.C. We have a state association of home builders, which is in Frankfurt, and uh, we're here locally. There's about 18 different builders associations throughout Kentucky, and uh, we're one of the largest. We're one of the top 25 builders associations in the entire country, and it's a proud heritage, a wonderful organization, a very progressive organization, uh, and we're not only known for things like Home Fest, which is going on now, but you know, we're known really well for our Enzwater Building Institute, mm -hmm. which is our workforce development arm. And as of now, it's down standalone 51C3, uh, just incorporated in the, in the last year, and it's growing by leaps and bounds in order to try to overcome the dearth of uh, workforce that we have in the construction industry. Yeah, you guys are very heavily involved in that workforce mm -hmm. aspect, especially getting younger people involved in those trades and skills here. Mm -hmm. I know you guys are a great partner with that and with our local schools. Uh, what have you guys been doing in that space recently? So we just finished uh, the brand new Covington location. It's mm -hmm. a 10,500 square foot training facility uh, in what was the Latonia Commerce Center shopping and retail space. Uh, we have got great support with CovCore, which is uh, the company that owns the uh, facility there. Uh, but also it's a partnership with the city of Covington. Uh, there is grant support from the governor's um, assets that he has, the Kentucky Workforce Innovation Board. Uh, they have discretionary funding they put forward towards the project. Uh, we had some residual funds left over from the Work Ready Skills Initiative under Governor Bevin. So all told, it's about a $1.6 million training facility, all tooled up and, and ready to roll. And we just started our first classes on January 31st. So really excited about that. It is also the home base for a brand new program called the Covington Academy for Heritage Trades. Mm -hmm. And that academy is one of only two such academies in the entire country. The other one is in Hannibal, Missouri. And we're really excited about it because we've got such an aging housing stock here at right. Historic Homes. And uh, with so many historical overlay districts in our urban communities, um, not, not just homeowners, but true trade professionals need to be able to learn how to go in and take care of these homes and restore them uh, up to snuff uh, with a historic code and historic practices and uh, you know, really do it to beautify the community. So it's a true win-win. Covington's helping us, but we're helping Covington too. And, and not just Covington, but all the urban areas within our Northern Kentucky region allows us to be able to bring these homes up and celebrate their glory and bring them up to what, where they once once were. Mm -hmm. That is very cool that you are kind of on both sides of 
everything that goes on with right. housing from beautifying these buildings that we've had for, you know, decades, even centuries at mm -hmm. some point. And with HomeFest, you guys are building these brand new homes. And one of the things that's really interesting uh, that you mentioned before we started filming is they're very, very modern. Yeah. So kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, the, the designs are more contemporary. And uh, one of the things that we've advocated for, for for eons now is a wide diversity in housing styles. Mm -hmm. Uh, we hear from people, I just don't have that much to pick from. Um, you know, zoning regulations, I know that really sounds not interesting to a lot of people, but what it's resulted in with very rigid zoning is kind of a homogenized community. And so um, while you may have housing for different income levels, you don't have housing for different tastes. Mm -hmm. And so what we're looking to see uh, in Northern Kentucky is for uh, just various different sorts of housing styles, different different living situations. So you know, I mentioned the Covington Academy for Heritage Trades. We're paying high attention to the urban areas, the historic homes, uh, but also uh, you know, the first ring suburbs, uh, the new suburbs, the exurbs, the rural areas. We, we believe that people in Northern Kentucky should have a good choice and they should choose from. And some of our neighboring communities around the region are actually a little further ahead than we are. We'd like to see some of those more innovative styles come to Northern Kentucky to help solve the problems that we face today. So you know, you've seen the, the home price appreciation skyrocket. Right. Uh, you've seen uh, traffic congestion in some areas of Northern Kentucky. Uh, and, you know, we're not Dallas, Texas. We, we cannot afford as a community to put all the infrastructure in before growth happens. So what we can do is that we can, we can pace infrastructure development, road systems to closely follow where the growth patterns are. And so as long as we can do that and develop communities that perhaps people don't always have to drive out of uh, to you know, go to a tax service, have, have a dry cleaning done, uh, go to restaurants and those sort of things. We're looking for ways to create the potential for mixed-use development in the area, uh, something that Northern Kentuckians have never experienced before that we'd like to see them uh, also experience, as well as things in the rural settings too, conservation development, uh, a lot of different styles that we just don't see here. So, yeah, uh, this is this is a is a more contemporary style at HomeFest this year, and we're very excited by seeing that style come to Northern Kentucky. Yeah, that is, like you said, something that we're kind of missing. And I'd love for you to touch a little bit on that mixed-use development idea. A lot of those are cropping up. I know we've got a big one coming out mm -hmm. um, in Union. There are talks of one out towards Hebron and the airport. Uh, what are you guys seeing in this space um, that has you excited? Well, one of the biggest things is it solves a lot of the problems that people identify with. So um, in, in, in a newer mixed-use development, what you'll see is more housing units per acre. Um, you know, we talk about that being density, and some people think density is a little bit of a uh, something that you don't want to don't want to touch. But when you have a true um, neo-urban uh, style development, it allows for different incomes to be able to live within the same area. So you may have a single-family home, which uh, would be very expensive these days, um, and it may uh, you know you may have a smaller yard, but right across the street you may be across the street from a commercial center. And if you look at the, some of the most popular areas in Northern Kentucky, take Fort Mitchell for example, that's truly mixed use. Mm -hmm. You have residential not too far away from places of worship, not too far away from schools, not too away, far away from, from retail. And the key word that you find that people are drawn to areas like that is walkability. Mm -hmm. And walkability is not just in the urban area, but you can create that as a newer style urban area in the suburbs. And so um, that lifestyle is very attractive, so it solves the lifestyle problem. But you may also have apartments there, too. You could have a retail space with rental up above or rental down below. 
Uh, you could have park areas, you could have schools, you could have churches, all mixed into the same community. And so when we talk about traffic congestion and some of the problems we see crop up that are associated with growth, if you drive home to your community and you're within walking distance to a restaurant or to a bar or to uh, your dry cleaners or to your pet groomers or whatever services that you may employ, uh, there's no need to get in a, in a car. I mean, our development that I live in now was probably built starting back in the 90s and into the 2000s. You know, I think my home was built in 2009. But still, in order to get, get to those services, we have to get in our cars to go places. Mm -hmm. So that that impacts traffic congestion because you just have to be on the road to do what you do in your daily daily day, daily life. So we're solving some of the income problems, some of the affordability problems with housing, some of the congestion problems with with traffic, and we're increasing the quality of of life. Uh, there's a lot of concern in the rural areas about growth, mm -hmm. and um, but what we have to do is we have to think regionally. It's say just the round numbers. If 100 people are going to move to Northern Kentucky, I'm just using 100 as just a round nice round number. Right. Uh, you know, out of that, 25 percent of them are going to want to move uh, into one part of the community, 25 percent to another part of the community. I'm using 25 percent because giving our urban areas, first ring suburbs, suburbs, exurbs, and rural areas, we really only have four choices. Mm -hmm. And so, if you just equally divide those up into 25 percent, those are the choices that they have. So, 25 percent, if you just you know straight line those and make make them equal are going to move to the, to the rural area but what if some of those 25 percent had something that attracted them more and so if they could take a look at a more higher density mixed-use development a portion of that 25 percent are going to choose to live there so what you can do is that you can actually build another attractive place for people to live that would slow down the absorption rate in some of the some of the rural areas so you know we're kind of bringing that concept together in order to solve a multitude of issues that People in Northern Kentucky seem to be very, very concerned about, and uh, we hope to see people really dive into that space to help solve those problems and make Northern Kentucky a much better place to work, live, and play. Yes, that is our favorite catchphrase. Right. Um, and let's go back a step back to this development that you guys are mm -hmm. doing for HomeFest. It's in Bellevue, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more modern, like we've said, than people are probably used to seeing, especially in Bellevue, which is kind of one of our historic neighborhoods. Right. Tell us about this project that you guys are working on. So the community is called um, Reserve at Bellevue. It's developed by Naira Properties. Uh, it was funded in part with an infrastructure revenue bond in partnership with the city of, of Bellevue. Uh, all built out, the community will have 74 homes um, on 74 home sites, and it is a very close, higher density community itself. So you know, the homes are only you know, eight to 10 feet apart from, from one another. Mm -hmm. um, but that also helps to address some of the uh, changing moods and the changing wants, but also offers that uh, option for people that want it. So there's a group of people that live here in Northern Kentucky that don't want to mow a yard all weekend long. They don't want to have to be out in the landscaping all, all weekend long. They just want to come home and relax mm -hmm. and have a community of friends that they can be around and enjoy the highlights of the community. So there's a neat waterfall feature there. There's outdoor fire pits. There's uh, recreation areas. There's, there, there's park areas. And so it is an opportunity to be close into services uh, without having to take care of your home all, all day. And what's really cool about some of the homes is that we're starting to see some new designs and not just them being contemporary, but new layouts. So a lot of the living spaces are actually on the second floor where you would pull into your garage on the first floor and you walk up to the second floor where your kitchen and your living area is and bedrooms further up. Uh, in some of these homes, we're seeing um, two primary suites. So instead of just your one primary suite, we're seeing multiples. 
because that's changing with today's changing lifestyles. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you have an aging parent. Um, I know some of these homes have elevators in them. Uh, you have an aging parent and they want to be, you know, into another suite. Uh, or, you know, parents, or you have the situation uh, that I find myself in with a child in their 20s. Mm -hmm. I can't afford rent, right? Because rental costs have gone up. Um, when you affect, I won't get too deep in the, in the economics of it, but when you affect the built product in new homes or apartments and prices start going up the way they have been now mm -hmm. uh, what people find is that you can't find a $500 rent anymore you're talking at least $1,200 to get into anything and barring four or five people living in an apartment uh, in a two two bedroom uh, it becomes very very hard so you may have um, an old child that's living with you and then you've got uh, the third scenario where the couple's been together for a long time and just so, and this is actually more prevalent than what you think. I think people kind of snicker at it, but uh, when you get a little older, sometimes you snore. And so... <laughs> <laughs> there are some nights where I end up on the couch, right. so I, I have a feeling of where you're going We can <laughs> cohabitate in the kitchen and we can cohabitate in the living space. And while we're awake, that's fine. But when we sleep, we enjoy our sleep. And so sometimes uh, that couple does need to seek uh, a new space to go to in order to allow for the uh, auditory interruptions to be at a minimum. Yeah, it, this is so cool. So when people want to come and see HomeFest, see mm -hmm. these homes that are being built, see this new development, how can people check it out? Yeah, so we're open through the uh, 21st, which is a, a, a Sunday. Uh, we are closed on Mondays. It gives us a chance to take a little bit of a, of a breather and kind of regroup uh, because the staff team of the Builders Association works every day at the event. Uh, but we're open Tuesday through Fridays from 4 p.m. until 9 p.m. On Saturdays, we're open from 11 till 9, and Sundays, we're open from 11 till 6. And it's about 4 or 5 o'clock on Sundays, we're all kind of knocking off and getting ready for that Monday yeah. to happen, right? One of the things you wanted to talk about is the economic impact of home building. Mm -hmm. I know we've touched on it a little bit, but what do you want to share about that? Well, when you look at these homes going up, um, obviously, there's a lot of construction workers there, right? And But behind the scenes, there's a lot of other people involved. Too, especially with a show like this. So there's furniture companies, there's designers, uh, there's people who sell equipment, there's people who sell heavy equipment, there are people that are involved in the mortgage industry, the financing of these, these homes. So if you look at every home in our region, and this is a specific study that's been done for Northern Kentucky uh, through the National Association of Home, home Builders Economics Department, uh, for every home under construction, there's about 2.5 jobs that are created just for the construction of that home. Now, obviously, you know, they're not going to work on that house forever. The home's going to be finished, and they're going to move, move on. But for the five homes that are involved in the show, there's been over 12 jobs created, which is a wonderful thing. But what people uh, fail to realize is that all the jobs are created after these homes are gone. Right. So there's about 1.2 1 to 1.3 jobs that are created to service that home after the neighborhood has been built out. So if you're looking at you know, 74 homes when you go out in this community, it's going to be over 100 jobs that will be created just to service those people. So we kind of talked about what you do, you know, after you're done with your work day, uh, you do go to the dry cleaners, you do have to have your taxes done, you do have to go to the grocery store, all those things where uh, people pay sales tax, but also they're working themselves and those people that are working in, in those places that people buy things from are paying occupational taxes. And that's money that's going back into the system to help pay for education, it's helping to pay for services, it's helping to pay for public services, fire, uh, EMS, uh, police services, all the things that you know, makes our community wonderful and keeps us safe, uh, these jobs all go to pay for. So it's a virtuous cycle. And the really cool thing about the new built environment is that it's all new infrastructure. 
So there are new roads, there's new storm sewer pipes, there's new sanitary sewer pipes, there's new electric lines, there's new water lines. And those things really don't require a whole lot of maintenance. Uh, very, very, very little, unless there's a problem with the installation. So all the money that's going into the economics in Northern Kentucky and the county of Northern Kentucky from those 74 homes really don't require a whole lot of services. So um, what you end up uh, doing in the, in the microeconomics reality of the whole thing is that new growth, new homes, and new building really contributes to the overall ability for the community to maintain their aging infrastructure. And then that goes on for about 50 years. So once that infrastructure reaches about 50 years of age, it's going to require some serious maintenance. Mm -hmm. And so anything that's older than 50 years old in Northern Kentucky, uh, part of it's being helped to be serviced and being helped to be maintained and replaced uh, in part because of the virtuous cycle of growth of new construction, new homes, and new businesses cropping up. Yeah, and that circles all the way back to the, all the things that you guys are involved in that you come in and renovate right. these ancient homes right. that need help. Exactly. Uh, well, that's great. Brian, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Before I let you go, is there anything else you want to share about the Builders Association or about HomeMax? Well, we did go through that name change about seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And the reason for it was that uh, we found a space with the commercial industrial building development community. Um, it's no secret we've been, uh, seems like a, a lone voice advocating for the construction community for a long time, uh, basically since the 1950s. And it, we were meeting with all the uh, agencies and all the utilities and all the people that touch the construction community and the industrial commercial space too. And uh, we found some individuals that were already members of ours that were in uh, that portion of the construction sector who really enjoyed working with us in our advocacy efforts. And so uh, we really get into the weeds and that's where we operate well. So we're involved in subdivision regulations, zoning ordinances, comprehensive plans, uh, working with uh, development documents and contracts with the sanitation district, with the water districts. All the stuff that really sounds exciting to a lot of people. Very nitty gritty. Uh, right, right. But it really does help. And um, we also are uh, blessed by having our members, which are all problem solvers. I've never met a builder yet that doesn't know how to solve a problem because a good friend of mine does this every day. Mm -hmm. And so they are able to sit down and find third alternatives with a lot of these agencies, regulatory bodies, municipalities, county, city government that help solve the problems that they find themselves in while at the same time also looking out for the industry and making sure that we can try to keep construction of new homes, of condominiums, of apartments, uh, renovation, uh, historic work, uh, but also new jobs coming in with uh, commercial and industrial structures at an affordable rate to make sure that we here in Northern Kentucky and the greater Cincinnati market are able to be competitive on a nationwide scale. Yeah, well, that is incredible. You guys do so much in the community. Obviously, you're building the homes we live in, right. uh, which is very important for our workforce, for our community, and everything that we need. Obviously, it starts at home. Yeah, the really, really cool thing, uh, especially with all of our workers, and this is one of the things we advocate for on, on the workforce end, end of things, is that when you're done working someplace, um, you can drive down the street and say, I built that. Mm -hmm. Really, really cool. Yeah, that is incredible. Well, Brian, thank you again so much for being on the podcast thank today. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm Nancy Spivey, Vice President of Talent Strategies for the Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. And on today's NKY at Work segment, we're talking to a couple of colleagues from UC. Thank you and welcome, uh, Miles and Chris. Chris. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about your roles and kind of what you're doing uh, for Northern Kentucky these days. Sure. So uh, my name is Chris Cooper, and I'm an Associate Professor and the Director of Manufacturing and Construction Co-op Programs at UC. 
And I'm Miles McDowell. I'm the Assistant Director of Partnership Development for the Graduate Co-op Program. And Miles, I know you serve on one of the chamber committees, and that's kind of how we're having this conversation because I think for me in the talent strategy space, we're always looking to make the connection to our business community and students. So tell me a little bit about what's the best way to access the student population? What does the population look like? Yes, indeed. So the, the University of Cincinnati has the oldest co-op program in the country. We say we are the birthplace of co-op, and we've been doing experiential learning since 1906, so close to 120 years. And we recently became the first university in the nation to have a dedicated college of cooperative education and professional development. So both Chris and I work uh, within that college, and we are focusing on bringing students into the workplace as part of their education. So they get the in-classroom studies, but then get to go see how that translates into the real world in their chosen area of study. And I think we're all learning how important that is, so that you're not just in there listening to lectures for three, four years and then getting out into the world of work, and it's like, surprise, this is what it's really like, right? Correct. So give us an idea of some of the trends in co-ops. What, what does a co-op even mean? What does it look like? Sure. So uh, it takes on a few different forms at the university. So I work clo most closely with the engineering programs. And uh, for engineering programs, it's full paid discipline specific experience. And so um, it allows the student to work. They're hired like a, a full time employee essentially at a company. Um, they start in their sophomore year and then they work full time as an engineer on the job. And then they'll rotate between that coursework and um, and their cooperative education experiences. So some students will work at multiple different companies. It's a great opportunity to kind of test drive their career, try different sub areas of the field. Um, and then some students will find a company that they really like and develop a really deep um, knowledge of that company and progress throughout. So it's, it's exciting and it works um, independent of what the student's hoping to get out of it. There are multiple different goals there. So I'm really surprised it starts in their sophomore year. I mean, to me that it's like, wow, we can get the students into the workplace quicker. We can get the real world experience, they're learning while they're doing. Um, what are the downsides? Are there any downsides to that? Uh, so it, it's funny <laughs> because one of the most common concerns with our first time students is that they don't have enough experience, right? So they take their first year of courses. Um, so I, I don't know, there, there may be some downsides, but I think it's such a valuable experience for a student to realize how much they'll learn on the job, usually discipline specific technologies. So, if they're in computing, they may be learning specific programming languages on the job. And so I think it, it provides a student the opportunity to see that they do have value and they can immediately start to contribute to a company. And it helps to, not only does it help students kind of reaffirm their academic choices and their major choices, but it allows them to at a very early point start to progress and, and to gain that professional experience too. So a little bit stressful for finding that first co-op, but it allows them to start developing those professional skills really early. So your role, and probably both of your roles, is to get out and meet the business and you know community and make those connections on behalf of the students. Am I right? Correct. Yeah, and and to kind of add to what Chris just said, I think you know there's always a learning curve with a new employee, and because our, our co-op students go through multiple rotations with the same company, they really use that first semester to you know not only get acclimated to the company but sort of learn the company culture. So as they come back for that second, third, or beyond rotation, they really become an, an integrated employee sure. within that company. Yeah. yeah. But yes, I, my role specifically, I am not student facing. I am employer facing so I'm out there you know talking to employers finding out what they need 
uh, what sort of opportunities are there for our students, and then bringing those back to the university and, and connecting them to students at that point. Well, and I, I just want to put a plug in for Northern Kentucky, because you know we have a, a number of employers with a number of good jobs, right? So Indeed. Hopefully, you know, that river sometimes can be a barrier, but hopefully in my mind, you know, it should just be a pathway to success on both ends. And we're already working with a lot of companies here in Northern Kentucky. We'd like to expand that partnership and growth with a lot of these companies, but um, but there are established programs here already that, that work with universities. That's and wonderful. So give me an idea, total student population, and what does the student makeup look like? So we have 49,000 students at UC, 9,000 roughly graduate, 40,000 undergraduate. Uh, we are an urban campus, so we're diverse. Uh, we've got students from, from every population imaginable and I think 115 countries from around the world. Uh, largest international student population ever at 9% or so now. So, so we are a diverse campus and, uh, and our students come from all across the country and the world. Oh, and I know one of the goals in the committee that you serve on in the Grow NKY uh, uh, Talent Attraction Retention Committee one of our key goals is we want students to attend regional universities. We want them to stay after they graduate. We definitely want them to stay in the community and discover how wonderful our community and our region is. So I, I really want to applaud you for the work that you are doing and UC's doing and building up that co-op program and making it something that, you know, the students can get that real world experience and get out there. And I even understand, I think one of you mentioned that the international students Many are interested in staying here after, and I can't tell you that thrills me to death. So uh, anything else you want to share? Yeah, it, it's, it's really easy. So for anyone that wants to connect with more students or has opportunities or even wants to talk and explore the program, we have a, a Hire UC website. Um, it gives a lot of information. It'll give you contact points within the university. It gives an overview, uh, and it really walks you through the process. But but it's, like I said, we've been doing this for 120 years. We're ever growing. We're looking for new partnerships. We look to learn from industry what our students are lacking so we can add that into the curriculum or, or help uh, you know, our students become better employees when they graduate. So we truly look for partnerships, not just uh, becoming a vendor. Sure, that makes sense. And on the manufacturing and construction area in, in uh, general, so you have engineers. What other types of majors are inside those colleges? So uh, with the way that we've divided the engineering program, manufacturing construction essentially refers to everything that isn't computing. So we have a computing <laughs> cluster, okay. which I'm also somewhat familiar with, and then we have manufacturing and construction. So, um, so that would be construction management, civil, but then also aerospace, mechanical, other manufacturing um, aligned majors as well. We have a new... Uh, industrial and systems engineering program, which, which just came online. So we're getting students through that and they'll be available for their first co-op um, spring of spring of the next year as well. So that's exciting. There's a lot, there's been a lot of demand for uh, industrial engineering students. So I was going to say there's well. high demand, all the things mm -hmm. you've talked about. I'm like, oh, <laughs> please bring those students yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. And not just to limit it to, to technical uh, aspects, mm -hmm. you know, our arts and sciences students, while it's not a mandatory co-op, there's a lot of them that are going into voluntary co-op programs and they're looking to you know, utilize their skills as well. And that translates a lot to business management, to sales teams, uh, to HR. There are a lot of opportunities uh, to connect with business. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, on behalf of the Northern Kentucky Chamber, we've had interns and co-ops, brilliant minds, mm -hmm. right, come in and do work for us, nonprofit work, work in project management, work in planning our events and activities. So, yeah, I... I 
believe firmly in trying to get talent, you know, at the earliest stage and make sure that we're grooming our next generation. So healthcare as well. That's a big one. Um, you know, those are big businesses. You can use a student from just about every college on UC in a, in a major healthcare platform. That's great. So if somebody wants to connect, they can go online or they can connect with you. We'll put your information out. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, okay. they can always send us an email or hireuc.com. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Shannon Schumacher, Account Executive, Kentucky Market Leader. At Haran, we champion bold innovation to help employers and individuals thrive. As an industry thought leader, we explore new horizons in healthcare, benefits, employee engagement, and wellness. We work harder to deliver all the strategic benefits, planning, and execution you expect from a true partner. And we do it with laser focus on your short and long-term outcomes to help manage your benefits while improving your employee experience. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Katie, Brian, and our friends at University of Cincinnati. Don't forget to register for the Outstanding Women of Northern Kentucky event happening on May 18th. You can get your tickets now at nkychamber.com slash events. Thank you again to our podcast sponsors, CVG, Crew Consulting, and Haran. If you are a member who would like to be featured on the podcast, or if you're interested in becoming a member of the Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, please reach out to Lynn Aidlin. And if you're interested in sharing your workforce strategies and resources on NKY at Work, please reach out to Nancy Spivey. You can find their contact information on the screen in front of you or at nkychamber.com at our staff directory. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.